Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. My guest today is Moon Zappa. I first met Moon when she began attending Dharma Dialogues and Retreats with me 22 years ago, and over the years we've become great friends. I sometimes tease her that I knew of her existence before she did, as it was announced worldwide by the Associated Press that Frank Zappa had just named his firstborn child Moon Unit, which was a wild thing to do in those days, though no surprise coming from Frank Zappa. Moon is a great talent in her own right, a gifted writer and comedic performer, but also a full-time hands-on mom to her daughter. Moon and I have shared a lot of time in silent retreats over the years and have just recently returned from a sojourn in Italy that included a seven-day silent retreat in Umbria, as well as a bit of touring in Italy prior to the retreat. The following conversation took place in Los Angeles on November 9th, 2016, a day after the election of Donald Trump and two days after I had learned that my longtime close friend and mentor, Leonard Cohen, had passed away. Moon, welcome. Thanks for having me, Catherine. <laughs> oh, um, okay, well, we are having this conversation after the Trump win in the election. Well, he won the Electoral College. Yes. Hillary won the yes, popular, the popular vote. Um, so, um, and we're also having this conversation two days after one of my best friends for many, many years passed away. So, uh, and on, and a few hours before I'm about to fly out to Australia. Uh, so it's been a rather momentous few, um, few days. It's been a momentous year. Yeah. It's been a real big eye opener, uh, in, in so many, in so many ways. And, and uh, we also just uh, recently came back from uh, your fantastic silent retreat in, in Italy, which was, I think, uh, so necessary, even more so now that the uh, election results are in. And, and we really see the benefits of long lasting benefits of uh, steeping in silence. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, that was wonderful. I know we had a blast. <laughs> um, one of the things we talked about there, and I think it's relevant to what's going on, is just the understanding that people cannot be beyond their evolution and that, you know, sometimes frustration arises uh, in some sort of expectation or hope or demand that people should, should see more or understand more or be able to be more, you know, far-seeing and even when it's laid out really clearly, like there was this amazing um, Facebook post that's going around by uh, a pastor named John Pavlo- Pavlovitz. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, um, about why America is grieving today, about the differences between um, the really essentially two worldviews rather than seeing it as winning and losing a political game. Right. And you know, he really breaks down the idea of how what Hillary supporters were really um, asking for was a diverse America where it, it's safe to be the, the skin color you are and the religion you are uh, and how um, how uh, the, the worldviews are the, are the problem, the differences in the worldviews. And, and even when that's posted, it's so clearly outlined. I was just so amazed by the reactions of people on my Twitter and Facebook page where they're, they're, they're just, they're still not getting it. It's like, Oh wow, that's right. Even if it's made, uh, for simple consumption, if you are at a different evolutionary, uh, space, it's just not going to make any sense to you. It's just not going to make sense. I'm already thinking Michelle Obama 2020 because, uh, Trump hindsight will be 2020 uh, for those that don't understand it now. (laughs) Yeah, let's see what happens. But I I guess I guess one of the things we have to come to terms with at the moment, and I know you've had to work a lot with this personally, is finding some sort of quiet in the face of what you perceive uh, to be a lot of causation of suffering, you know, 
that absolutely and, and that and I think that how I hold it to find any quiet in this at all is simply you know it's kind of like the the Jesus edict forgive them for they know not what they do you know it's sort of people can't they people people react from immediate fear within them either rational or, or irrational you know and they can't see beyond that and it's it's impossible well, what, I, what i find so fascinating is is um, um is is there, i guess there was that study done where if you introduce uh in a questionnaire the idea of mortality and some politics that uh, the the results you get are people that then get stingy with their money and their resources and their their worldview shrinks, yeah. which I think is so weird. It's it's for me once I'm aware of my mortality, I'm aware of everyone's mortality. Once I'm aware of what I value, I'm aware of what everyone values, and I want everyone to have this, the same opportunities to to, um, feel safe and heard and, uh, have, have quality lives. And I'm confused by, uh, how that's just not where some of the thinking goes and where some of the actions goes. And so it's, 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 I get a lot of flack for people saying I'm, I'm, uh, I come across as, um, superior, which is, uh, hilarious to me because uh, I don't know how I can be superior if if only one of us is fighting for all of us. Do you know what I mean? I just it's it's confusing to me. Yeah, no, I do know what you mean, and um, it's part of the um, thanklessness of of being, you know, of trying to help and having high values and all of those things. You know, it, it's sort of it's only its own reward. It's not that you will be. Uh, you know, treasured, supported, admired, helped in that effort. Um, you'd said at the retreat and you've said it on a few occasions, this idea of, uh, understanding, but being willing to not be understood. I mean, you say it differently, but uh, how, how do you say it? That is pretty close. Yeah. Offer, offering understanding without the expectation of being understood yourself. And, mm. and it's a very, that's a hard, hard thing to swallow. And it's just how it has to be. Right. And the, and the truth is, I mean, I hate to say it, but our country, it's like as, as a woman who uh, if you don't have a, an opportunity to date a narcissist, run. It's a fantastic road to uh, really understanding <laughs> <laughs> everyone else. And so unfortunately, it's like the whole country right now is is dating a president who's a narcissist. And uh, and 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 how did I learn to be more honest and more kind through uh dating monsters and so it's it's it is an evolutionary process and I loved on the retreat when you were talking about how how um you think about even think back to how you thought as a 20 year old you have uh, grown yourself through your uh whatever experiences you've 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 had that's how we grow and it, it, it I just feel like we're all waiting by the rock it's like a, it's like <laughs> a, a like a a weird I don't know like a weird race when you're just waiting in the shade until someone catches up and brings the picnic basket too. Everyone's invited <laughs> to the party, but not everyone's coming. That's right. <laughs> Some people are busy, you know, racing their cars off cliffs and things like that, you know. And, and then, and then you see all that beauty and in, in we, when we got to, to spend some time in Rome and you know, you're looking at these, these amazing, beautiful buildings that, that, started in one century and got completed 400 years later, just right. that some things are worth sticking around for and, and, and holding the vision for. And, uh, I, I am hoping those people will, uh, will, will rise to the, to the top and it, it, it might just be us, Catherine. <laughs> Good friends. enough, honey. <laughs> but you know, it, you do, even using the architectural uh, metaphor, it also sort of applies to sort of sticking with what you know to be beautiful and true in yourself and, you know, keep basically feeding that, just keep on staying with that and, and it, it, you know, really let the chips fall where they may because this, there's no controlling what's going on. There's no, there's no way to 
edge evolution any faster than it's going, right? And so if we're headed toward extinction as a species, then that's what's happening. If we're headed toward some sort of bumbling along into, uh, you know, saving ourselves and turning this whole ship around somehow uh, on a planetary level, then in a way, you know, yours and my stance and adherence stays the same either way. Mm, that's you know? true. And so, so, you know, in that we can relax and, and basically, again, keep in order to keep ourselves calm and not be frustrated. I mean, I, I talked to several people today and some last night I was getting emails from really around the world. I mean, people are freaked out. They're scared. They're, they're angry you know, at this election. And, and I, of course, had those kinds of feelings rolling through, but I just kept coming back to this is, this is not any one, you know, one tiny thing like that pastor said, as you were describing, it's not just one man. It's not, it's, it's an evolutionary story of people in fear, people whose lives have changed. I mean, I think a lot of this is about uh, economic fury and, um, and it's, and, and feeling marginalized. I mean, that, that theme of yes. feeling marginalized and, yes. and deeply, um, uh, disconnected and, and, uh, feeling like you don't have a voice Right. that I think that's, it, it's just hitting some of these core wounds. I mean, I could, right. that, that might, might experience that in your family. You might experience that in yes. your neighborhood. You might experience that in, uh, in your larger community. And, and I think that uh, what's also amazing about that particular article that that, that uh, pastor wrote was that you could uh, it really insert any anything that's ever made you feel less than as the thing you're grieving. And and he he anytime something really articulates um, so accurately what you're what you're feeling, then that's I think when healing can really start to happen. And and the thing about silence, silence does that as well. It's it's the great uh, silent articulator yes. where you you, it, you have that sense of uh, it, it's it's totally experiential. It, it's it's hard to imagine that anyone in silence or in true contemplation would um, would would take a harmful action it's Correct. just it's 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 really hard to to imagine right it just doesn't happen actually it just doesn't, doesn't happen doesn't happen no and even even hateful thoughts don't stick around though they though they arise they just you know the quiet and the understanding and the forgiveness in a way just arises right behind it you know after a very short time of being in silence you know there's a way in which you know, you just sort of see it all from a very vast distance and realize these are just humans behaving as humans have always behaved. And that's well, right. Except the difference is we can't run to the store for for more planet. No, uh, we are. Um, no, it's true. It, it, it may be that that's the that's the trade off. That's the sacrifice yeah. that we will make is is um, yeah. destroying our habitat such that we can't live in it anymore. And um, yeah. you know, and and. So I guess, the, and, and getting quiet behind that, I think is the really big challenge, you know, yeah. is, is getting quiet. And the truth is, even if the whole planet had the, uh, the, uh, the, the wrong, uh, well, I say wrong understanding, a, um, a, uh, less, uh, evolutionarily, uh, advanced understanding, I, I keep thinking also about uh, St. Francis of Assisi and just the idea that one candle that's illuminated yes. is still illuminated. That's and right. so it, it doesn't, it, even if, even if Hillary had not won the popular vote as, uh, I, it, and, and the Trump supporters said, Oh, well, he's won everything. It's, it's, it's not the numbers that matters. It's the, it's the, it's the quality of the awareness and, 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 that's that's the only thing I can really hold on to at the at the moment, and in all the things that matter to me, it doesn't. It's you have to know it for yourself. Somebody for wrote to yourself. me last night. Someone who's been coming to Dharma Dialogues for many many years. She wrote to me and she said, "I'm." She wrote an email during the during the um, election night, and she said, "I'm scared," and she said, "I'm you know." I, I, 
I, I, I'm sorry to impose upon you in this, in this, and I don't know when I'll hear back from you, but I wrote right back to her and I said, um, you know, uh, you've been in a way training for this your whole life, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that being, uh, in love with the Dharma and having this kind of focus in one's life, you can't just be expecting all good things to roll out. It's a sort of very immature spiritual belief system. And that, in fact, one of the things that happens is that you do have to be strong for all the people whose lives you touch. You know, you have to stay steady and be calm and offer that shade tree, I like to say, you know, like some kind of psychological and dharmic sanctuary Mm-hmm. And and that's really what we're called on now to do, you know. That is such a good point. That is such a good point that that uh, when you have been uh, immersed in the Dharma for for uh, such a long time, uh, there is a steadiness that that happens, a resiliency that just naturally uh, is is there, and and uh, you can hold space for yourself and for other for others. Uh, and also hold the space for grief and the yes. space for, okay, what's next and what actions can I take? And, uh, it's, it's, um, it's true. It's, it's a, it's a kind of rock. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And I like that you said grief, you know, cause we, we cannot deny the grief, but yeah, it's, it's like I said to you the other day, I was, I was telling you, as you may, may remember about, um, uh, my friend whose brother died a year ago, and he was asking me about my own grief in the death of my brother who died 14 years ago. And I said to him, yes, the grief is still there, but the, ex- the acceptance has surrounded it. You know, it's, it's that the acceptance has grown larger and larger over, the, over time. That's right. That, I love that you said that. You, yeah, you were just talking about how grief doesn't diminish but but the the acceptance increases and that is a really um uh important distinction because then it's it's one of the reasons why i love what you do is because every every emotion has a seat at the table there's nothing that's excluded because I, i really find that it is dangerous to deny an aspect of yourself and i was i was kind of honestly in a way laughing during the election too because i was thinking what about all the people that believe in positive thought as the thing that makes change happen or believe in the secret or whatever their their system is yeah i mean at the end of the day uh what what i again that that i just keep coming back to and why I, I, with you is just this when you really sit in silence and you really let all the colors be there, uh, then, and you're embracing of all of it, a natural calm happens Mm -hmm. and, uh, a natural, um, uh, just, just space around, around the, the, around the the sticking points around the sticky stuff. And, um, and then, then you have a little bit of clear, more clear vision. It's, it's just, it's so funny too, because to even talk about it is to, is to not even be able to articulate because again, it's experiential. Yes, exactly. But but you're doing a great job actually. (laughs) Yeah. One of the phrases that just automatically arises for me often is, is the phrase such as it is. And I have a kind of adherence to this whole notion of the suchness of things, you know, but actually it'll come, it'll just come down quickly to such as it is, you know, and, and it's my own little Dharma bell for accepting something that is just as it is. Now, obviously it leaves wiggle room to try to change things Mm. um, that one can change if you can. Uh, but, but a lot of things we really can't do much about, you know, and the thing too is, uh, well, I loved, I think you told me about the quote, uh, the real never dies and the unreal never lived. And that has gotten me through so much difficulty, uh, because there is for me, uh, an equalizer that is, is, is true as, uh, kind of gravity of your mental state and just to be able to go into your mind and be able to see the difference between, Oh, now I'm in fear. Now I'm in future fear. Now I'm in the past. Now I'm in 
now I'm in, I'm just resting in it and watching, watching my, my thoughts go by with, without an agenda of, I have to be optimistic or I have to be neutral or I have to be anything. I don't exactly. have to be anything. I can just, right. I can just be with, with, with what you said, with the suchness with what is happening. Yes. And, and, and then I don't have to decide how I'm going to move because in resting in it, a lily pad appears. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's really great. God. Yeah. Um, you know, having just lost Leonard two days ago, I've been, of course, kind of in a conversation and with him in my mind, of course, just imaginary, uh, but just, um, you know, he was such a, uh, he was such an example of, of quiet in the storm, you know, and, um, and he, and, and it wasn't like he was in denial about anything, right. He could see it all. Like it was just painted in the sky, you know, mm-hmm. um, and was so brave about articulating it uh, and naming it and calling it out. But actually in his own, I think, experience with it, all the waves of grief and horror would arise, but basically I just always experienced him as just, hanging out and, you know, just sort of just being with whatever was arising and such a, such an incredibly powerful transmission uh, as a mentor and, and friend, you know, to, to see that. And, and I guess what I'm saying in this regard is that just as he was that for me, you know, it, it gives me more, I guess, confidence to be that, for whoever I can be that for, and for you to be able to be that for whoever you can be that for, um, first and foremost. And, and when you really are exposed to those kinds of people, that you really internalize them. They, yes. they become a part of the fabric of, uh, of it, it's a tuning fork. You, just by thinking about them, you can, you can yes. kind of tap into that, that, uh, that thinking. That's why I think some of those quotes are so powerful that just drop you in. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, and whatever, whatever, if it's a, if it's a line from a, a song lyric or, uh, or if it's, I, I don't know, there's just so many ways to drop in. And that's what's, that's one thing that's really exciting about, about how, how unique we all are and, and how we are all at, at our, at our essence, we are all the same. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I often, uh, I often have the sense and because I've had the experience so many times in life of having, you know, having retreats and sometimes having someone come to a retreat who'd never done anything before in this way, you know, even brand new sort of Dharma students who would come to a residential retreat and I'm always astonished at how deep they go how quickly they go deep and how sweet the the essence starts to you know that just the essence of being becomes so lovely and sweet you know and how how really generic that is you know it's like it's like you said you fell in love with everyone at the retreat you know um you know probably if you had if you had to be around all those people manifesting only their personalities and especially their, you know, maybe earlier stage of that, it might not be as fabulously sweet. But but when when given half a chance, you know, we're able to just tune into that, you know, that that joy, that bliss of being, as they call it in, in Hinduism and. And I just feel like we're the the whole entire species right now is racing in the other direction. You know, there's this you know this obsession with the technosphere, and uh, and I just heard a podcast the other day in which they were talking about how the technosphere is basically you know in complete um, opposition to the biosphere, right? That's that's interesting. I I, I think that. Again, one thing I really love is um, uh, that that it, it's not easy. Let me say this: sitting in silence is very confronting. It is extremely confronting because you you actually do jump into all of the stuff that you avoid thinking about when you are busying yourself trying to outrun your your feelings of of shame, inadequacy, terror, uh, vulnerability. And so the setting that you provide 
and the the uh, it's, equalization is not the right word, but just that there's a um, it's there for all in whatever way it manifests. And and so uh, if people are into video games, I think uh, sitting still is the greatest video game because you you're generating <laughs> and you really don't know. Talk about choose your adventure. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I think if, if uh, this is this is perfect for the uh, the techie people, uh, they just they just uh, right. They can just spin a whole world. They can they don't have to do exactly. they don't have to do Second Life on a computer screen. They can do it in their head. Exactly. <laughs> if if, of course, you, it requires tremendous courage, and that's that's yes. the thing about it that uh, uh, is also underestimated. Um, and yet, as you drop in the courage naturally is there because you're just, you're just, you're, you're with it. I, I, it's so hilarious to try to even talk about it. It really is. It's, <laughs> it's, it sounds comical. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, obviously it's, it's hard to say words about the experience of silence, but, um, <laughs> but yes, it, it, I think what you're pointing to though is the power of once you have sat through the resistance, the urge for distraction, the having to be confronted with things that you've been dancing as fast as you could not to have to look at. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're there locked in the room with the gorilla. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to have to basically get calm and figure this out in a whole other way, you know. And, and then suddenly you find that the, um, the calmer you get, the calmer the gorilla gets. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Bizarre. Uh, it's not an irony. It's a, it's a bizarre, uh, uh, result, a natural result of, of, uh, of facing down the thing that scares you, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. in a, in a, in a, in a safe, in a safe way. That's the thing too. I keep thinking about safety, Catherine, maybe you could talk about safety because I think that that's, I think that's how we got here politically is that at the end of the yeah. day, everyone's moving towards, Yeah. everyone wants to feel safe and they want to feel better. Yes. And so the, the, the different ways that, that they identify or we identify safety and feeling better. Um, can you t- talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you just said, you just framed it that way. Cause I was trying to say that earlier in this conversation, which is to really acknowledge you know, rather than feel hate and fury at these people to really acknowledge what they want is a feeling of safety and that there's no talking them out of it by saying, no, we can make you really more safe the way we see it, the way we want to organize the world will make us more safe. Um, That's not going to work in terms of convincing, uh, you know, millions and millions and millions of people who think otherwise. Um, So to really just acknowledge that those that those natural human urges do arise in everyone um but then i guess that you know really you have to from a dharmic point of view you begin to suspect that feelings of safety are really kind of an inside job and that yes certain external situations can be inherently unsafe you know uh in war zones, for instance, you know, in all kinds of circumstances where a biological fear would just arise without your being able to do anything about it. But a lot of people's fears are based purely in imagination. The the fears are imaginary fears. Mm -hmm. And in those cases, what you're left with is is a mind that's run amok and has, you know, basically uh, created a prison of its own making. And, I would just say, I would just, you know, point to seeing through the illusion of that, again, from the place of quiet, you know, suddenly you see how many of the arisings are completely made up, you know, and that, uh, you know, it's like Mark Twain said, um, that um, his life had had a great many problems, most of which never happened. Right. <laughs> they were they were actually all in his head. He had a whole great many worries and problems, most of which never happened. Um, and my brother, the one who died, he he fretted about so many things constantly. 
And most of those things, 95% of those things never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just saw it in his case so clearly. And I think each of us understands it intuitively that we, we can look back sometimes in our lives and see the way that we used to worry about this and that and this and that. And, you know, often the things that do happen kind of come out of the blue, you know. Um, but, but, but don't you also think that, that there is a, uh, that wisdom and integrity and, and some, some of these things that, uh, I, I just feel like younger people don't hold, uh, those things don't have, hold any value. And I, and I don't understand how, where the, where did that split happen and where, and, and, and it's like, Actually, I do. I think it comes from the wrong understanding of being in the moment. Yes. And, and actually, it's, it's actually really a critical problem where, uh, where all of this being in the moment training, it, it, there's a, it's, a, it's a deeply wrong understanding. I agree. And it's being so co-opted by mercenary uh, value systems and corporations. And I mean, it's the, the whole thing of it's almost becoming like, it's like a twin, like an evil twin uh, of, um, you know, uh, I mean, it's evil twin is basically instant gratification. It's sort of like right. be in the moment and have just that's right. the, the perfect moment for you. That's right. That, yeah. That's exactly right. That's, that's the bill of goods yeah. uh, that's being, that's the, that's being hawked. It's, it's, it's very, um, this is the, this is the problem with meditation. You're trained to just be in this moment and and forget that there's a future you're also building. Yes, and the context of this of this very you know world that you're sharing with a whole lot of other creatures. And so, yes, I completely agree. I I get a little I bristle at the kind of facile you know, be here now kind of, um, you know, movement that's been going on for a very long time and has been, like I say, very co-opted. Um, and so, yeah, it's all of these things to, you know, you and I both so much value, um, as you, as you said earlier, allowing everything at the table, you know, just all of the feelings and, and, and tremendous empathy. And I feel that any kind of, wisdom without love and empathy is not wisdom <laughs> you know people are often by its very definition absolutely exactly people are often divorce they'll, they'll talk about you know two wings of a bird wisdom and compassion no they're not two wings that's you know it's there's no possibility of wisdom without compassion in my view mm-hmm. and, and so um you know and and this kind of understanding of, like we're saying, the suchness of things, this is how it's playing out. One has to really pay attention and understand the various nuances, the dark forces and the forces of goodness, you know, um, that all of this is playing out right before our eyes, you know. Um, I think that, that people should be not just uh, given tools to, to understand how their mind works, but also truly to, to just understand their own anatomy. Actually, yeah. what are the ingredients that, uh, that, what organs do we have and where are they located to truly have a sense of your, uh, of being embodied. I, I, that, I think yes. that's another thing that we are also, uh, completely missing out on uh, to, to really be embodied. Absolutely. And also part of that embodiment, when you understand yourself as a living, breathing animal that's requiring a, you know, a resource base to live, you you begin to extend the awareness into the fact that this is a living organism that we're on here, this, <laughs> this, this planet Earth, and that all these other beings are part of it. And, and, you know, importantly integrated, not to mention that they should have a right to live in their own right. But, um, you know, that, that that's another problem with the technosphere obsession that's going on is that more and more people are divorced from their own body and from the, you know, the living planet. Do you know that we have a, an organ called the greater omentum? 
that is a helper organ that lives in your abdomen that travels when you have an infection. It's a little, it's like a little, uh, a little nurse that just goes <laughs> to where uh, something needs help. I cannot believe it's not the most popular organ in your body. I am flabbergasted. You, you, to- you told me a little bit about it. Um, yeah. The greater omentum. And I'm just like, how is how are the lungs and the heart getting top billing? I know we're gonna find out the appendix does something really important. I just I just think this stuff is crazy. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, there's, there's more territory to, to, to map. But yeah. and I was thinking about it too. It's like when you see um, these these self help books and they've got kind of systems of meditation or whatever, have you ever tried to kind of I'm sure over the course of all of your years of, of your practices, uh, have you ever tried to just kind of map out that process and just be like, okay, guys, day one, this is what it's going to look like. Uh, this is the day where you hate everyone and how they chew and, and how they smell and where they're sitting in practice. <laughs> day two through seven is going to be all the ways you hate yourself. <laughs> and, and on and on. And at a certain point, your your vision gets macro and then you're just looking at a map and all the territory looks profoundly beautiful I'm, oh. I'm saying it poorly but there it, it's it's like I want there to be a course that you have that <laughs> and yet could there be one well I mean the way the way that I run the retreats as you know what you're describing does sort of jar a little bit of memory uh from long long ago our Buddhist teachers used to say you know you're likely to experience sloth and torpor on the first day and this and that on the second day (laughs) but in our retreats I actually it's a really a wild card everybody comes and there's so little um expectation of a certain way it's going to go all I do is provide a context of quiet really and a little guidance uh and um you know and really people can sink deeply quite quickly in most cases, you know. But it is good to know that sloth and torpor are going yeah, to yeah. Sure. make First an appearance. All, yeah. does anyone, does, do any millennials even have those words in their vocabulary? <laughs> I'm going to name two pets sloth and torpor. <laughs> uh, or it's at least going to be our, uh, our band. Our band well, I want to be one of them because I'm going in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into going slow. That's my new, that's my new ambition in life. <laughs> telling you the, the hidden secrets again going back to the point about wisdom is is all of a sudden you're like oh wait going slow is amazing yes indeed and and you know what's also beautiful about that is that going slow actually gives you like more life like it's it's such an, a counterintuitive thing to so many younger people perhaps in it and all kinds of people who are kind of trying to jam experience they're jamming in in as fast as they can and stuffing in you know every hour and meanwhile as we spoke about at the retreat you know you look back on those kind of phases and they're a blur they're like just a blur you heard you realize you were hardly there you were just running as fast as you could whereas when you go slow it's like time and experience elongate and it's really true we talked about that how it feels like i've missed Ten, like 10 year chunks of my life yeah. for just being in action and motion and trying to accomplish something. And then, and then you get to a certain point and you think, what if I didn't have to prove anything to myself or to anybody else? Mm. And I went slow. The first thing that happens for me is a ton of emotion just arises. I just, just, I, I, I get naturally unbelievably weepy and I fear that the weeping will never stop. But, um, but then it, uh, uh, and if you're if you're in any way predisposed to being worried about what other people think of you, that could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then, you know what? Of course, I've said many times that, first of all, people aren't really thinking about you that much. There may be a few time, a few people occasionally think about you, but mostly they're thinking about them and how are, how are they being perceived? Um, that's Don't number. You think that an awareness that doesn't kick in until you're in your forties. <laughs> maybe, you maybe so. I think there is a sort of um, progressive thing one goes through about building up a somebody, you know, in, in yeah. building up a sense of oneself. But um, but there does come a point where that gets old. And and secondly, even if some people are judging you or thinking, gosh, what is she doing with her life? Occasionally they might have that thought. Who cares? You know, it's like you've got to live your life for you. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and I know that that's, that's a hard one insight somehow for many people. It was for me. Well, especially in the U S because yes. as, as you had your retreat in, in Europe and in Italy and they're, they're just, the aesthetic is just so different. It's just absolutely beautiful. And the other thing about the European countries is that they They've got healthcare and public transportation, and in in many of the countries, they know that they're going to be cared for right. until they die. Right. And so, in America, we are hustling and scrambling, and a lot of our brain space is occupied by just the hustle and the scramble and worrying about uh, basic survival. Basic yeah. survival, and so knowing that that we are creatures on in this region is important. It's like knowing that you're a, a plains. Uh, a gopher or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, we have to be hustlers in it's our region. Gopher. I don't know what that means. But, but you, yeah, you know what I mean? It's just, it's. Yeah, I do know. No, I understand. All of those paradoxes and those awarenesses and still right. dropping into the thing that is essential in all of us. It's, it's, but then you, then you are given a choice. Then you can be like, wait, do I want to stay on this continent? Wait, what, what is my value system? Wait, uh, going slow suits me better than being on this hamster wheel. Absolutely. Or- yes. Well, I mean, that's, and that's a kind of, kind of something I want to encourage people to consider, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel I'm in any, any position to tell people what to do with their lives, but, but just to encourage people to consider it. And it's what I'm considering in my decision to move to a place that is much slower and in general, slower mm-hmm. and and more gentle and less ambitious and less kind of fixated on valuing other people by what they do, but rather by, you know, the energy and the, the sort of the vibe, I like to say, as I'm a 60s girl, um, you know, um, like what the what the feeling is in the room when you're in the room, you know, and how that 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 is so much more important for me at this phase in my life you know and you and I've been talking about just the importance of you know hanging out with the sweethearts absolutely calling all sweethearts for sure and that and that's the thing too again if you can slow down long enough you you can get a sense of what is the cultural message where you where you dwell where you reside what are you uh is that are you in alignment with that if you slow down and yeah you you can, you actually have a choice. And to me, that's, that's, that's really important is, is to make a, a, a conscious, um, in, in intentional, right. uh, intentional decisions, uh, so that you can be in alignment with what's, what's happening. Yeah. And, I know. And, I love what you just said. And it made me, I had this image as you were talking about, you know, I love, I love being in the ocean and sometimes, you know, you're in a, let's say you're in a cold, cold water ocean but now and again there's this warm current and you kind of find the spot where the little warm current is running by and and I feel like even in you know these hamster wheel cultures uh, of America and only a couple of other places really that are going this fast but um you know even there that you can slow it down in your own in your own domain, you know, that you can do your best to find that little warm current that keeps you sane and also provides for you a, a strength and a comfort for the, then you become that for other people. You become the warm current for them. Uh, yes. And it's, it's actually making me think of my grandmother, uh, how she, when I was, as a teenager, I liked to wear black rip tights and I was punk or whatever my, my, <laughs> my mission, my physical mission statement was, and she was, she was just horrified. She was, her, her big thing was always dressing up for air travel and looking elegant and lovely. And, and when you think about it, it's like we, I grew up in a, in a, in a town, in a culture where you saved your best clothes for special occasions. But if you're living in a country where they have opera, you can see every night or, or something, then you, it's, it's part of your wardrobe. I saw a woman who was dressed completely bedecked she was like in a like a gold lame outfit walking her dog the other day and I was I was so excited and and, uh and uh it was early in the morning and she was like I was like you look amazing that is the best dog walking outfit I've ever seen oh my god they're in Los Angeles 
And she said, she goes, nothing else was clean. And I was like, I'm going to start dressing like that for no good reason. Um, so, yes, if you, you can either make the choice to, to do it locally or go someplace where you where, where that those options are, are more uh, uh, more plentiful. Uh, yeah. You can create those opportunities. And, and that's the thing, too. I came back from the retreat just feeling like I really want to create community. And what would my community look like? And, and maybe we have a community of fancy ass dog walking um, people. <laughs> and one of the reasons I like to be a writer is because yeah. I can stay at home and wear a funny outfit and put on a hat that for some reason makes me be able to write better oh. and think more clearly. I don't know. That's but adorable. What, what I love that. <laughs> Um, and that's that. the thing too like we also are a postponement culture of i i better yeah. uh do my um while, while we want instant gratification with getting like a sensory thing so that we stop thinking whether it's sex or being on social media or whatever it is we also have a postponement thing of like well i'm doing all this stuff so fast so eventually right. i can slow down right exactly and, so eventually and, and retire well yeah. versus traveling consistently throughout the year and taking more time out in nature every week and, and, and how you, how you create that time. And that's another thing that I really love about the the retreats is that you end up coming home being like, I'm going to make it feel like I'm vacationing or I'm on retreat at home. And even if you add a little bit, that's better than not having any at all. I love that. I, I couldn't agree more. I just really encouraged that more and more of that. Just make your life kind of a living meditation, a living relaxation, really dipping into joy, you know, just knowing, going slow, tasting everything, you know, all of those ways of life make for a great deal of happiness in the daily life, which actually raises your happiness set point in general, when you have lots of little happinesses through the day. Um, right. I used I used to think, well, I don't want to have happiness because then I'll be attached to happiness and it's not coming, so I better not have any happiness. As though, as though it was a it was a longer way to fall. And so by by depriving myself mm-hmm. of joy, I know this is completely illogical when I say it now. It's hilarious, but it made sense to me at the time. Versus having consistent happiness, which actually makes you have resilience for those bigger falls. Exactly. Absolutely. And it, it, it does seem counterintuitive though. I have to say just, just switching, switching over to that, that mindset, especially if you're, if you have had trauma after trauma after trauma, it's yeah. so hard to then think about risking again. And yet that's exactly what is required. That's right. And it does give resilience, you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe we should reframe it slightly in that it doesn't have to be constant little hits of happiness, just even just sense of well-being and calm and quiet, you know, that you even said to interrupt the thinking that's, that's destructive, even if it means going and watching television. And, and, uh, so I'm like, Ooh, uh, it's a Netflix meditation right now. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Me too. I do. I do the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's very kind of relaxing and enjoyable. And, And so, yeah, anything like that, that whereby, I mean, for me, I literally think of my job as finding ways for me to just stay calm. I like make it as much a a sort of demand of myself as any other kind of health habit. Mm -hmm. And so I really um, just encourage people to not ever feel like you're being selfish or, or you're risking something, you know, if you feel too much good things and then you're going to have to be braced for the bad thing. And, you know, I love that you say calm and not happy and calm and not neutral because, because calm allows for happiness to be there and for it to not be there. And, and, and it, and it's not, it doesn't say, um, that you're trying to get to this, this like brain dead state of neutrality, because to me, neutral is negative. Uh, I I just, I, it's detached. Yeah. It's it's detached. It feels like you're operating from your heart, but calm plus heart centered, I guess to me, those are the same. Those are, those are, the same. Yes. Um, yes calm equals uh, moving from what I love. Yes. Yes. And, beautiful. and being able to identify that heart space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can also include things that are sad and hard, you know, yes, exactly. I, mean, I, I, I noticed the other day, two days ago when I found out Leonard had died, I, I noticed that um, I just went quiet inside 
just sort of went quiet. Like, I mean, of course I had been expecting it um, for some time, you know, but I, I didn't know when it was going to happen. I just knew it was probably going to happen, you know, in this year. And, um, but when it finally did happen, I noticed, like, I felt the sadness arise and, you know, some tears came to my eyes, but mostly I was just, again, it was, it was the suchness that I was experiencing was like such as it is, you know. On the retreat, you talked about how one of the things that we experience when we lose someone and when we love someone is a sense of our own love. And that it's, it's like the way I understood it is it's like you, you meet yourself and, and when you lose that, that person, it's such a, uh, it's like the, that giant resource is then sitting there with nowhere to go. Yeah. And, and so part of the, the overwhelm that I, I can, I've experienced is just, it's like the energy comes back to you somehow. Right. And so then what do you do with all of that love that, that was either shared or reciprocated with that person or just sent directly to them with nothing being asked of in return? Mm. Then you're, then all of a sudden you get this, your inheritance back. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's really, that's good. Yeah. You get your inheritance back. It's true. And knowing, and and how are you going to use it now? And maybe it is just sitting in it and, and, and it, it it just integrates back into the system. Yeah. It comes back with interest. Exactly. It does. It really does. This has been in the deep. To support these podcasts, you can subscribe to this channel on iTunes or post a review there. If you'd like to know more about my work, book a private session, or make a tax-deductible donation for the ongoing production of the podcasts, please visit katherineingram.com. Till next time.